Welcome to episode three of the Magnum Rewatch podcast. I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen DeVere. And we are here to tell you all about episode four of the show. This is going to be weird because every single episode is going to be one episode off. Yeah, from, until there's another two-parter, which I'm sure there is. Then we'll be even further off. Oh, uh, well. Episode four, thank heaven for little girls and big ones too. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was the Christmas special. Yeah, it aired on December 25th, 1980. Yeah. Before one, any of us were born. One of only two Christmas specials in the in the whole show. Really? Yeah. The next one I think it's in season 5. I was this was part of the trivia for this episode. It's uh called Operation Silent Night. Oh my. <laughs> well, we can look forward to that in what, a year and a half? I think so. When this podcast it's catches gonna, up? Yeah, some people, you know, some people were like, uh, actually had someone on Twitter. This is the first episode we've recorded since we launched the, since we've launched the podcast. So we've, this is the first time we've had feedback. Uh, and generally, people are really uh, liking the show, which, which is great. But I had someone say, hey, uh, this is a really cool idea because I w- weren't as familiar with Rewatch Podcasts. Uh, can I suggest another show for you guys to do? And I was like, that sounds great. Get back to me in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> 2018? I don't know. It was a Who long knows. time. Mm-hmm. We we open on Higgins sort of admiring a uh, a painting in the main house of the Robin Masters estate, intercut with dark, shadowy footage of someone sneaking around in the wine cellar. Mm. It's probably meant to look like, you know, who could this be breaking into Robin Masters' house, except that they have really hairy arms. So it's, it's pretty not, obvious it's Magnum. It's, yeah, it's not really his secret. Also, there's a Christmas tree in the main room by the mantelpiece. There is, and it is resplendent with presents underneath. Yeah, whose presents are those? Who is giving them? Who is getting them? This is apparently Robin Masters' estate, but he's like, never here. I uh, assume... Spoiler, yeah. you like never see Robin Masters. Yeah, I assume that... I, I sort of picked up on that. That that was going to happen, be a thing that Robin Masters is never there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's other characters like this. Usually husbands uh, or wives of people in uh, in other, like in sitcoms, like in Frasier, you never saw Niles's long, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, it suffering would, wife. They can't make fun of Maris's, like, various physical defects and, like, overbite and, like, like wide-set eyes and stuff like that. If you never, if, if you then have to see this actress, anyhow, yeah. this isn't the Frasier rewatch podcast. But, no, but uh, my question is, did Higgins just do all of this? Like, did he just make, like, find and wrap all these presents because there should be things under the tree? Uh, like, how seriously does he take his job? I feel like maybe there's just, like, a box that he opens up, and, like, it's got all these pre-wrapped presents, like, uh, like uh, malls decorate for Christmas. Like, that they sounds, have all the presents. That sounds less insane. That's uh, good. I mean, that's probably what happens. Probably. I have a th- I have uh, something to back up this theory later, too, so. Uh, so, of course, um, Magnum's trying to steal some nice wine. And weirdly, Zeus and Apollo were in the basement. And as he asks Higgins, why are Zeus and Apollo in the basement to stop you from... Stealing the better vintages, he's like, until <laughs> Higgins says, you can only have the vintages I select for you, and hands Magnum a bottle, which Magnum looks at and says, October? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they have a nice exchange, which is, uh, uh, Higgins says, the, the wine cellar is for the use of Robin Master's guests. And Magnum says, well, I'm a guest. And Higgins says, guests eventually leave, which I, which I enjoyed. Uh, but they're admiring the painting. And uh, why are they admiring the painting? Well, the painting is a very famous painting. It is by a man named Paul Gauguin. And uh, and now, 
Magnum recognizes this as a Gauguin, and Higgins is actually impressed. Now, I have to say, I do trivia a lot. I'm in uh, like a competitive online trivia league, and one of the questions was they showed a picture of a painting. Not this painting, but a different Gauguin. And I was like, I think that's Gauguin. And I actually got that question right for the day. So, yeah, it's not that big of an accomplishment. I can do it too. But I anyhow. Didn't, I didn't know it was Gauguin. Yeah, uh, I honestly did not recognize this one as a Gauguin, actually, but I was watching it on a DVD with low res. Um, anyhow, so uh, Gauguin is a French post-impressionist artist, and he wasn't really appreciated until after his death, but he painted a lot of uh, scenes from, like, uh, French Polynesia, as it was called at the time, um, and, like, the islands and uh, still lives and stuff like that, but also uh, these really famous pictures of uh, sort of the native inhabitants of places like Tahiti and stuff, and uh, his stuff is very very uh collectible and uh extremely expensive now the one that we're looking at is actually not in a private collection it's actually in the national gallery of scotland the name of the painting is three tahitians and here's the the description as per the national gallery of scotland three three quarter length figures stand out against a vivid colorful background Two women flank a young man seen from behind. They may be offering him a choice, possibly between vice, symbolized by the apple, and virtue, symbolized by the flowers. The suggestion ties in with the allegorical character of many of Gauguin's Tahitian paintings, in which ideas from different cultures are fused together. So anyhow, this painting was uh, completed in 1899, and it was presented to the gallery by Sir Alexander Maitland, who is a baronet, in memory of his wife, Rosalind, and all of that happened in 1960. Do you feel like the theme of the painting is at all relevant to the theme of the episode? Uh, possibly, now that I've read that. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. If I, mean, I can if I can pull the the Gauguin trivia even further back to Magnum. Yes. Um there's a painting in Robin Master's guest house where Magnum lives mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's seen throughout the run of the series that's actually a combination of two other Gauguin paintings. Really? Yeah, it's a it's a combination of uh Varumati and When Will You Marry? And uh it was created by the Magnum PI prop department. Wow, so somebody in the prop department really likes Gauguin, I bet. Well, I, I assume that they said that Robin Masters likes Gauguin. Yeah, but just just for reference, if you wanted to buy a Gauguin, looking at some of the last auctions that went through Christie's, uh, Nature, Mors et Fruits, Fruit et Piment, God, I can't speak French at all, uh, sold for $12.3 million. A landscape called Le Vallon sold for £6.4 million. Tefer Himini, bracket La Maison de Chien, uh, sold for $8.4 million. So Robin Masters has some serious cash to throw around if he is like, if they're painting him as collecting a Gauguin. So then all that class and uh, highbrow stuff is brought crashing to earth with this week's installment of Dat's Racist. Oh, God. As uh, the Robin Masters bat phone rings, uh, Higgins picks it up, of course, expecting it to be Robin Masters, and it's, it's, it's actually Rick. But Rick doesn't want to get Magnum in trouble by letting Higgins think that Magnum gave the number to Rick. So Rick instead pretends to be Magnum's laundry guy. Okay, that doesn't seem so bad. That seems like a good plan. By doing a Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's level, sort of like no ticky, no washy kind of, uh, like, yeah, like Chinese laundry voice. I actually made Graham pause the episode (laughs) so I could write in my notes, that's racist, with like six exclamation points. So, so far we're into, uh, so far four episodes into Magnum P.I., we've had... 
Uh, we've had two episodes with some seriously racist stuff, <laughs> and two, uh, and Magnum has killed two people. So we'll have to see at the end of the season whether we've been more offended or just more murdered. Rick has a job for Magnum, or at least a woman called Rick looking for Magnum because she has a job and she wants to meet him at the state capitol building. So we cut to the state capitol building. It's a uh, it's a really cool looking building actually. It's it's very like wide open sort of courtyard kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, really like high high sixties high seventies architecture. It, well, it's a it's a brutalist building. It's, it's kind of like this upside down brutalist building where it's heavier on top than it is on the bottom. It's a really cool building. So Magnum sits there waiting, and uh, he's looking at. There's this group of schoolgirls. They're taking a picture of this statue, and they just keep taking pictures of the statue and. That's weird, and he can't find the woman. And then one of the girls is suddenly sitting beside him, just appears beside him. And then when he turns back to her, there's another of the girls beside him. And they slowly all just appear around him. He's just surrounded by these five schoolgirls of age, like, I want to say six to 12? Uh, yeah, like, yeah. I would say about six to 12. Yeah, and then he has this episode's mugged to the camera of, like, what? He just looks at the camera and gives this expression of, are you joking me? And this isn't like, you know, in the first couple episodes, I was like, maybe that was a mistake. This is like, he makes eye contact with the camera for at least two full seconds. Oh yeah. It is a solid like eye lock of him going, what is happening here? Uh, the girls placed the call with Rick. They want to hire Magnum. That's weird. Why do these children want to hire Magnum? Well, because they're in Hawaii on a school trip. They're, they go to a private school. It's just the five of them. And their teacher got the hots for some Hawaiian beach bum and left them alone. And they'll she'll be back before they have to leave. But their headmaster is coming in tomorrow. And they don't want her to get in trouble. So they want Magnum to find her tonight so that she can be back before the headmaster arrives so that she won't get in trouble. To which Magnum responds, she should be in trouble. <laughs> This yeah. is incredibly irresponsible. Quite fairly so. Magnum is like incensed and he's like, go to the police. And they're like, no, no. And one of them says she shouldn't be punished for her passions. Not one of them. The youngest. The youngest. She shouldn't be punished for her passion. Uh, which is really <laughs> funny. But anyhow, so Magnum is like, are you effing kidding me? And he's not super into this idea, but he's also so not into like leaving these kids by themselves. And apparently. Like, what's he supposed to do? Be like, I'm not, I'm not taking this case goodbye and just leaving five schoolgirls who have who have checked out of their hotel they tell him and they use they're gonna use their refund the the sort of check-in deposit i guess yeah how did they get it their children uh to pay his fee to find their teacher yeah and so he's like okay sure it's christmas i'm not gonna abandon you outside although it is really nice weather because it's hawaii yeah but i mean still i feel like even i feel like even if it wasn't christmas magnum would be like oh my god i'm not leaving you alone yeah so Higgins is less enamored with this plan because now he's he has to deal with five little girls uh, and he's like okay like Magnum eventually convinces Higgins you know it's Christmas uh, they have nowhere to go they have nowhere to go they're children yeah and uh, you know eventually manages to convince Higgins to to let them stay so Magnum goes out looking while Higgins has to basically like play babysit yeah basically babysit for these. Five girls who turn into 
like immediately as soon as Magnum's gone, they just turn into little hellions. Uh, one of them feeds gumdrops to Zeus and Apollo. Right, so they, they start going. And it's so cute. And uh, one of them is like picking up all the presents underneath the tree. And then like Higgins grabs it back from her and just like drops it on the ground. It makes a very hollow thud, which makes me think that they're just decorative presents that he hauls out for this time of year. Uh, one of them pokes the Gauguin painting to quote, feel the brush strokes, which is a weird thing to say for a, like, 10-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that this, of course, sets off an alarm that's on the Gauguin, which Higgins walks over behind a curtain and turns off and is like, do not, don't do not do this, all of you, up to the up to the second floor guest quarters, go to bed, just get out. Yeah. So they Interestingly, go- he says, you are confined there unless you need to go to the bathroom, and it's at the end of the hall. I feel like in a modern mansion that the bathroom would be, in like, connected. Probably. Probably. So they go upstairs. The girls, they all go to one room, and they're like, okay, great. This will be perfect. Magnum's out of the picture. We know where the alarm is. Let's call Mother Goose or whatever. And they, like, phone someone on the phone there, and they're like, we know the lay of the land here. You know, we've got everything taken care of. We've 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 exhausted Higgins. He'll sleep well. And it's like, holy crap, are these girls running a scam? I mean, they're obviously running a scam, but they're really good at it. They they don't look old enough. Sociopaths. They don't look old enough to like say the words that they're saying. It's a little unbelievable. Well, I feel like the the the, the ringleader, uh, like the twelve year old, seems like she could come up with some of these things. I don't know. I feel like this is this is actually my biggest problem with this episode is the girls because it's it's fine when you have like a group and there's one girl who like talks way above her age, right? It's like it's it's a different thing. It's like oh she's like super smart or whatever and i get it but they all do they all talk like they're tw- like they're in their 20s yeah but they're all uh rich precocious girls who go to a private school so of course they're like well educated i guess it's kind of a plot hole it that's it's not great that, that's that's not that's not a plot hole that's just unbelievable it's just sort of weird characterization yeah, it takes you out of the episode a little bit anyhow so these kids are running some sort of scam and obviously they're after the gauguin yeah so then we see Magnum. Uh, he calls in some help from TC, asks TC if he wants to go to dinner uh, because he, he wants, he, literally because he needs some muscle. Though mm-hmm. TC does not know this. Uh, and they arrive at the same <laughs> crappy, seedy Hawaiian downtown street that we've seen every time we need a seedy Hawaiian downtown street. Which makes me think that uh, most of uh, Honolulu is actually really nice. And this is literally the only crummy, seedy street that they have to work with. It's the same bar that was in China Doll. They go into the same bar, and TC's like, why are we going here for dinner? And Magnum's like, it's fine. We're just going here for a moment, just a sec. So they go in. They get some information from the bartender. Uh, they get, because the girls gave Magnum an address, right? They're like, here's what she looks like. Here's what the guy that our teacher ran away with looks like. Uh, and here's an address from her stuff. This is all we know, right? Like, they're giving him leads. So then he goes to the bar. He gets the information. It's, the address is actually upstairs from the bar, and it's like a boxing gym. And so he and TC go up there, and they're looking for, you know, this blonde girl hanging out with a, with like a Hawaiian a, beach bum. And uh, the guy in the boxing gym is extremely... Uh, well, first the guy, the bartender, phones ahead to warn the guy in the gym. And then the guy in the gym is basically like, uh, if they show up, I'll tell them you had to leave suddenly in a very threatening manner. And then they try to beat them up. Yeah, then there's like, there's like eight of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Magnum and TC not only get away, but they, like, 
kind of wipe the floor with these guys. Well, Magnum and TC are tough Navy guys. Yeah. No, but Magnum does sport like kind of a bruise beside his left eye for the rest of the episode, which good on you makeup department. And both of their shirts get ripped up. Yeah. As well. But they like, they, they, they just managed to get away. Mm-hmm. And then the guy gets on the phone and he's like, you know, describes Magnum, describes TC and is like, these guys are looking for you and your girl, you know. What do you want us to do? And like, okay, we'll take care of it, sort of thing. And then you cut back, and you see there's this Hawaiian guy and the and this and this blonde woman, and and he's like, some people are looking for you or whatever. And I'm like, wait, if the kids are trying to get Magnum out of their hair to steal this thing, then why is their story true? That's mm-hmm. weird. So TC's upset, understandably. He gets out of the car because of his totally justifiable rage. Uh, <laughs> and uh, will not go to dinner with uh, with Magnum, even though Magnum offered that he would pay and they would go to the Blue Lagoon, wherever that is. I mean, I imagine it's good and fancy, or maybe, maybe it's one of them Brazilian all-you-can-meet restaurants. <laughs> and uh, he, and says, they just... he says in the narration, if TC wouldn't even go to the Blue Lagoon, I know he's mad at me. Uh, so TC walks away, and a car starts following him. Uh-oh. Not Magnum, but starts following TC. Magnum, meanwhile... Uh, Magnum, meanwhile, decides that all the leads the girls gave him are great ways to shorten his life expectancy, so he starts following his own leads because he's actually a private investigator. Yeah, he's actually got really good instincts for this kind of thing. So he goes to the hotel that they checked out of, and uh, there is a guy behind the desk reading... A Robin Masters novel. Yes. Uh, And uh, Magnum (laughs) attempts to bribe him for some information. Apparently everyone... Everyone in Hawaii is a scumbag. Like, he, this is the third person he's bribed for information this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, you just, you're a hotel clerk. What's with the, like, yeah, you know, maybe for $5 more, I can give you a little bit more information. And it's like, what? You you work at, like, the Holiday Inn. <laughs> like, maybe it doesn't pay well, but is there not any corporate concerns with this? <laughs> Seems very silly. And after $15, which is a lot of money, Magnum finds out this lady that he's been looking for all over town is just in her room. So Magnum goes up to the room, knocks on the door. She's there, opens the door. Uh, her name's Linda. And it's not the blonde woman that we saw hanging out with the Hawaiian guy that the boxer called. No, it's, it's a, a com- different woman. Completely different lady. They don't even look that similar. No. And he explains the whole story. And apparently, this is something the girls do a lot. Hmm. They're like, uh, She's like, we were at a thing in upstate New York and they said I ran off with a cab driver we were in some other place and she said or the girl said I ran off with someone else locally appropriate apparently this is like a thing that they do they're rich brats yeah how she describes them and so Magnum's like good let's go let's get let's get you reunited with these children she she tells Magnum that they told her that they were going out to dinner with the governor's daughter, and even had a limo pick them up. So apparently this is like some sort of long con they're in on just to do this. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And Magnum is fairly suspicious immediately, actually. Mm-hmm. And she gets a phone call uh, and then says, uh, she just says, like, no, Nancy's not here or something, and hangs back up. And Magnum's like, that was a weird phone call. Mm-hmm. And then you cut back to Nancy, who's one of the girls, mm-hmm. uh, hanging up the phone as all the other girls are around them. And they're like, is that a go? I think that's a go. All right. Operation go time. So now we know that Linda's... Actually... Linda and the girls are in on this together. They're a little bunch of art... They're a little art thief group. They're art thieves. Are they? Maybe. We'll find out. Who knows? So they're driving back. Uh, Magnum's like, uh, is my... is my driving bothering you? And she's like, no. He's like, oh, okay. You just seem nervous. And she's like, no, no, no. Your driving's fine. He's like, oh, okay. 
I'm just wondering because some people don't like being taken for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, do 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 do. Meanwhile, the Linda in the front seat is basically doing one of these like collar tugging uh, cartoon moves. Uh, Magnum is uh, visibly even more impatient at this point. Yeah, so they go inside, and lo and behold, they catch red handed the five girls stealing the Gauguin painting. Yeah. So cut to uh, Magnum and Higgins are are there in the living room. The painting's put back. All the girls are there. Linda's there. And she explains the whole thing, that she is a teacher. She's an art teacher. She's been an art teacher for years. But also she authenticates paintings. And uh, an art collector that she works with got her to authenticate a fake copy of the three Tahitians. So he could sell it to Robin Masters. And keep the original. Yeah, so basically, so he could scam our masters. Yeah. Linda says that she had a change of heart about this, and what she was actually trying to do was to sneak into the Robin Masters estate and replace the fake that he had purchased with the original out of the kindness of her heart. Uh, Higgins is extremely skeptical. Yeah. But then because Higgins knows about these kind of things, he actually looks at the painting when uh, they have rolled up and they're like, oh my God, this, this, is, this is the original. That is a fake, which corroborates their story. Right? Yeah. Higgins is just as surprised as Magnum, but uh, still really angry and is like, okay, we're still phoning the police. Yeah. I, how many times in the scene do you think Higgins is like, look, we're, we're, we're calling the cops? Because that's the sensible thing to do. Yeah. Uh, like at Linda's, least five. Linda freaks out about this. She's She's... Really insistent about not wanting to be reported for a literal crime. I mean, she did technically do a crime. <laughs> she d- absolutely did a crime. But she doesn't want the girls to be brought into this because they're so young and innocent and also their fathers are really powerful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's probably fair. <laughs> I guess. So they're like, they. I think in exchange for some more of his his dwindling rights on the master's estate, Magnum convinces Higgins to just... Like, look, we've got the painting. We ha- we also have the fake. Let's just let them go. They can deal with their own problems on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Magnum gives up all rights to the wine cellar at that point. That's true. That's true. So uh, Linda and the five girls get back to their hotel, and they get into their uh, hotel room where waiting for them bum, bum, bum. is a guy who looks like a cross between Orson Welles and Burl Ives. Yeah, he's not exactly threatening. No, he's a big sort of bearded, affable-looking dude with, like, a Dom DeLuise cap. And, like, big aviators and a cigar. And a gun. Uh, Well, yeah, that's the most (laughs) relevant part, probably. (laughs) And uh, basically tells them to freeze, and it's, uh, he's... He's the art collector. He's the art collector who who, uh, sent her to do this. I actually just found out some... Who um, is that guy? He uh, has literally, this is a non-speaking role for him. uh, Oh, no, he says one thing. He has, like, two lines. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim... Demarest okay. is famous in Hawaii. Really? Yes, for his role on the KGMB children's show, The Checkers and Pogo Show. Oh, that classic. Which ran from 1967 mm-hmm. to 1982. L- so, so, long running show. So they get like a beloved children's host to play this role? Now, he he was he played Mr. Checkers number 3 <laughs> on the show. It, it it went from 67 to 82. I mean, that's a long time. Right. And I believe there were four 
Mr. Checkers. He he stopped playing the character in 79. So he was no longer... So he had retired. Yeah, so he was no longer Mr. Checkers at the time of this role. Okay, but a lot of people would recognize... I, I assume a lot of people would recognize him as Mr. Checkers? Maybe he didn't have the beard. Um, oh, he'd gone edgy after he quit being Mr. Checkers. <laughs> I guess. He still looked kind of huggable. I Very huggable, honestly. I was not buying him as a bad guy, and this is why. If you grew up in Hawaii, or you remember, was it Mr. Checkers and Pogo? The Mr. Checkers and Pogo show. Uh, send us an email. Let me know how Mr. Checkers number three... Features in your childhood memories. <laughs> so then we cut back to the King Kamehameha Club. Uh, Rick is doing a crossword. Magnum's having his breakfast. Magnum's happy to put this whole thing behind him. Rick asks him what a four-letter word for girl is. And Magnum says, brat. Yeah. And Rick's like, that doesn't fit. Magnum quips, well, it does in my book. Rick That's gets a good a, line. It's a good exchange. It is. Rick gets a phone call. Says there's a woman here to see Magnum. Uh, Magnum says, if she's under 16, I don't want to know about it. Which is also pretty funny. Uh, but it turns out it's actually Linda. The girls have been kidnapped. Uh-oh. Presumably by the huggable Mr. Checkers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I buy this. Yeah, I don't really know. Like, these... Okay, these girls are smart enough to put one over on Magnum and Higgins and, like, you know, conceivably, like, steal a Gauguin and then they're rounded up by one larger gentleman with a gun? Well, if you want to hear... Uh, Higgins' take on it when they when you cut back to the master's estate and uh, Magnum says someone's kidnapped the girls. Higgins' immediate response is he has my sympathies. <laughs> uh, but it's actually serious business because uh, Mr. Checkers, who we never actually get the name of this art collector, so I'm just going to call him Mr. Checkers. Yeah, he's just called the kidnapper in the cast list. Yeah, uh, Mr. Checkers has uh, threatened to uh, to harm the girls if he does not get the Gogam back. So Magnum is like, we need that fake, like ASAP. And um, Higgins is like, well, I threw it out. And Linda's like, bah! and you know, Magnum's like, no, no, calm down. This is just a game that Higgins and I like to play. Unfortunately, Higgins actually has thrown it out, even after Magnum bargains with him and like is like, I'll do this. I'll do that. Seriously, this is a serious thing. However, they managed to get him around to taking the actual Gauguin out of the frame to make the exchange for the girls. Well, how are you going to rebut when Magnum's like, I happen to think that the lives of five girls is worth more than a painting. Or maybe you don't think that way, Higgins. It's a fair point. So Higgins has a change of heart, and uh, now they have the Gauguin, and they're going to go make an exchange. And they take off. And they have Higgins with them. Yes, because Higgins is not letting this Gauguin out of his sight. Fair enough. In, uh, In Robin 2. Ooh. Which is an Audi 5000. So they get to where they're going to make the drop, which is a, a an outdoor pool kind of amphitheater-y Yeah, it looks place. like where they would hold like uh, like professional swimming meets or something like that because it's like it's it's filled with seawater, but there's also stands that you can look at. But the whole thing is locked up and like it's not clearly not open. So Magnum does something really cool, which is take the tube that Gauguin is in jam it through the gate, and then in one very smooth, elegant move, climb halfway up the gate and then swing his legs over, drop down, and grab the the tube with the painting in it again, which looks great. And I'm like, wow, that's hard to do. It was smooth. Uh, Tom Selleck is legitimately in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you can tell because he, he's shirtless a lot of the time. Yes, that's true. That's part of, it. That's part of the, the deal. TC also shirtless a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Rick is also shirtless. There's a lot of shirtless man in this episode. It's, it's, it's Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So they then leave. He 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 leaves the painting inside, and they leave because that's the drop. They've 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 made the drop. Then uh, 
once uh, Mr. Checkers finds out that it's there, he will then phone them and tell them where the girls are. Throughout all of this, we've actually been cutting to the girls. Turns out they are actually in danger. Linda did not make this up. This is not actually a scam. The girls are in a tunnel somewhere, and they are overheating. Mm-hmm. It's like 120 degrees, and it's only getting hotter. They say that it is that by noon it will be 130 degrees Fahrenheit in there, and the, basically the girls will get heat stroke and die. And uh, we go back and forth the girls, and sort of they're sweating and miserable. Uh, and then they start singing uh, the 12 Days of Christmas. Well, one does. Yeah. Which is... Because uh, don't forget, this is the Christmas episode. Oh, yeah, this would Five be... Five like, preteen girls about to die of heat stroke in a tunnel. I mean, so Merry lighthearted. Christmas. So yeah. lighthearted. So lighthearted. Uh, but I'm happy to see in the episode that the that one girl is singing the 12 Days of Christmas and the other four girls find it as annoying as I do. Now, Magnum, of course, has thought ahead. When Mr. Checkers comes to get the Gauguin that he's left at this outdoor pool, who should pop out of the pool but Rick with a snorkel? Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. How clever. So Rick follows him out of the pool, sort of at a safe distance, and then jumps in his gram. His red Nissan 280ZX. Oh, or ZX, very fancy. I suppose. Yeah, I guess for you Americans. It's a ZX here in Canada. <laughs> it sounds cooler. Uh, and follows um, Mr. Checker. M- Mr. Checker. So that you know that they at least have a backup plan. Now, I, at this point, I had predicted that Higgins did not actually destroy the fake, that he had it. And when he finally capitulated to letting Magnum use it, uh, it was actually going to be the fake, and then at the end it was going to be like, well, we let that guy go, but he has the fake and he doesn't know it, and we still have the original, and isn't that great? But then when Rick showed up at the pool, I was like, oh, they're actually really concerned about this. And of course, this guy would know if it was the fake, and he would confirm this before he told them where the girls are. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not the case. And it turns out that, that that that's not the case. I just thought that they were going to like triple like three layers deep of, of... Of a double cross. Yeah. But no. So uh, they finally figure out where the girls are. Where are the girls being held, Graham? They're in a civil defense tunnel inside a volcano. An inactive volcano. Yes, but they do have... The girls themselves do have an exchange, like, well, this volcano is inactive, and then another girl says, I bet that's what they said about Mount St. Helens. Now, you might be like, Mount St. Helens? You have to remember, this episode aired on Christmas... In 1980. When did Mount St. Helens erupt, Graham? I thought you you had this prepared. I thought you were looking that up. Oh, whoops. When did Mount St. Helens erupt, Graham? Why, May 18th, 1980. Oh my goodness, mere months earlier. Yeah, so... (laughs) So that's fresh in people's minds. Relevant. If you don't know where Mount St. Helens is, it is, of course, a very famous volcano in uh, Washington State. And it's actually very close to uh, us and Vancouver Island. And I believe... That uh, people who lived here at the time that Mount St. Helens erupted said that they felt the tremors and that uh, it they... woke it woke my dad up. Really? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, he because uh, it, it was about ten a.m. in the morning, if I recall correctly, and uh, it woke him up, and he sort of thought to himself, "Okay, that's either Mount St. Helens, or it's one of the nuclear submarines. Either way, I can't fix it. I'm going back to bed." That's very pragmatic of your father. <laughs> yeah. Now, before they actually hear this, they're on their way back to Linda's hotel, mm-hmm. and they get cut off in the road. And this guy jumps out of the car that forces them off the road and says, hey, remember us? We're the plot thread from Act 1. Get out of your car and into our car, and we're going to take both cars, and we're going to go back to my boss's place. Because it's the boxer from the gym that got in a fight with Magnum and TC at the beginning. And they take them back to their place, and there's this Hawaiian, I guess, sort of not 
is he a crime lord or is he just sort of like a businessman with a lot of interests i feel like he's probably like some kind of like thuggy drug runner or something like that if you've seen there's this vice documentary about like the nastiest guy in england or whatever it's called and it's like a collections agent who also runs a boxing gym this is the kind of guy i have in mind yeah 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 so he's into some bad stuff but he's not necessarily like you know hostile he's um um, neutral but he's annoyed because he thinks that the, this private eye has been following his girlfriend around. So they bundle Magnum and Higgins and Linda into his living room. And TC is there. Remember how there was a car following TC? Yeah, he's been there for like a day. Yeah, however, he's fine. They haven't like roughed him up or anything like that. They've probably just been trying to track down Magnum. But they, just, they don't believe his story. Mm-hmm. And so the crime boss or whatever says, why are you following my girlfriend? Pointing to his blonde-haired girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Magnum says, I can explain. Higgins says, no, you can't. TC says, don't bother. And... Magnum, it does explain truthfully everything that happened and how, no, no, the girls told me to look for their teacher. I was looking, I wasn't looking for her. I was looking for this person. They're different people. Our wires got crossed. It's all a hilarious misunderstanding. I'm really sorry. As you can see, you know, they they look sort of similar. Both the mm-hmm. girls are like, no, we effing don't. Uh, and, you know, that's that's what's up. And the crime boss is like, do you think I was born yesterday? No. Why are you, you know, like, why are you following me? I find like stuff in my house i find things missing i start losing business like what are you trying to do and then magnum tries to explain again that doesn't work and so finally he's just like "Ah, fine okay here's the deal yeah i am following your girlfriend i was hired by her uh to keep watch on that guy and points to the guy who roughed him up at the boxing gym and the guy in the boxing gym is like excuse me and he's like yeah in fact you should be doing your girlfriend a favor because she was worried about you she thought that he was double crossing you and that's what I've been trying to do in G's. Like, I, I bet I, he has the combination to your safe. And the guy's like, my God, he does have the combination to my safe. And then the, the guy from the boxing gym is like, oh, come on, man. It was only like some petty cash. It was barely anything. And it turns out that Magnum has completely lucked into actually getting this right and has uncovered a, a turncoat, I guess, in this nest of vipers. Kind of. Like, the thing is, the the his second in command probably wasn't wasn't even, like, disloyal or anything. Like, he did probably steal some money, but was more that he was appealing to what this guy clearly already believed. Mm-hmm. And he was like, fine, you're right. It's th- it's all this that's happening. And mm-hmm. the guy's like, all right, good, good job. Cool, you guys take off. And they're like, okay, we'll be, we'll be going now. And so then <laughs> they leave them to deal with their own problems while Magnum, Higgins, TC, and Linda take off. Yeah, they're, they're heading back to the hotel, actually, to get the call from the kidnapper to tell them where the girls are. Yes. Because this is, of course, pre-cell phone days. Yes. As soon as they get the call, Higgins puts in a call himself to the police and is like, I want to report a crime. Because he's like, good. If we know where the girls are, great. Someone stole this freaking painting, goddammit. Yeah, and I mean, I still think it's fair that a crime has occurred. A crime happened. A crime has been done. Yes. They did crime. Uh, and then TC picks Higgins up like a toddler and puts him on the ho- the balcony of the hotel. Which is kind of embarrassing. It's a little embarrassing, but it's also kind of funny. And yeah. Higgins has to watch them drive away as they go to rescue the girls finally which, which they do and they're okay thankfully and that's the end of of them they're fine but now we have one more thing to do rick calls in he's like hey i gotta I, i'm tracking this guy i'm following him he's at the airport he's on this flight if you're gonna do this you gotta do it now mm-hmm. so uh magnum and tc run armed into an airport again uh with a different cardboard tube to swap for the one that, that uh, Mr. Checkers has. Mm-hmm. And they managed to catch up with him at the 
security check? The extremely minimal security check. Oh, it looks so much more civilized. I mean, it's basically like there's They've just li- like They've literally a- decorated the the like uh, metal detector walkthrough in like tinsel and garland because it's Christmas. Yeah, so it's like one metal detector, like less lax than it would be at a very small regional airport. Yeah, and about two feet away. It's like away. right out in the open. Yeah. Uh, Rick is reclining, keeping his eye on things in a, like a terry cloth shirt and, uh, Oh, and it's like half zipped up. Like hot pants. Oh God. Uh, TC is wearing enough clothes. TC's shirt is open and he's asking a girl at a lay stand to try and sell him on a lay. No, no, not that lay. I, this, this, this lay is not for me. I want, I want a macho lay. Give me, yeah. show me another one. He's just trying to kill time till he can get in front of this guy right in the line. Mm-hmm. And so then when Mr. Checkers shows up, TC jumps in front of his line so that he can walk through a bunch and delay the beeping, but only after Mr. Checkers has put his luggage and the painting down on the x-ray belt. Mm-hmm. Then Rick also distracts him, and between them, Rick and TC clog the metal detector lines long enough that Magnum, who's already through security, can swap cardboard tubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's then Mr. Checkers goes through, picks up his tube and the bag, and heads to his gate, and that's the last we see of him. Yeah. And uh, they have the they have the correct Golgan back. Yes. And then they say, boy, the look on his face when he sees what he got. But they never show you what he got. I assume it's just an empty tube. I hope there's like a an erotic a, painting or something in there. Drawing of a butt. They got Rick to draw something. Oh, it's a dick butt. Yeah. It's, it's the, this guy's been dick butted before dick butt was invented. And then, of course, because everything must then get back to where it was before, Magnum and Higgins reach an impasse because Higgins says, I can't wait to tell Mr. Masters that you almost cost him his uh, Gauguin, which he bought for 2 million marks. Yeah. Yeah, Deutschmarks. Yeah. And uh, he, he says, I'm, I'm sure you won't be as welcome around here anymore. To which Magnum responds, yeah, I can't wait to tell him how your security got foiled by five little girls. Womp womp. Merry Christmas. So this was not a great episode. No, not not fantastic. I didn't I didn't like this one as much as the last couple. I give this one a six out of ten. Uh, for I mean, it was kind of funny, like it was lighthearted. I, I, and stuff. I have no concept of what your rating scale is, by the way. Well, I mean, the other one I gave a seven and a half out of ten. Like there were some funny parts in it, but it was kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, just the the whole concept of the the little girls being like a like a, a highly competent art thievery thing it's i don't know apparently there was also an episode of hawaii 50 uh that dealt with a, a stolen gogan painting so maybe they just liked it like maybe the producers just enjoyed that as a as a concept another little piece of trivia uh randomly we remember that tom Selleck played a character for a couple episodes on the rockford files mm-hmm. and in fact they were going to do a crossover at one point but it never came together mm-hmm. but it's implied that at least the people in Magnum know of the Rockford Files. Mm-hmm. Because when Rick is uh, trying to run interference in front of Mr. Checkers, what he's doing is he's asking the guy behind him, he's like, is it safe to put this camera that I have, this like uh, point-and-shoot film camera, is it safe to run this through the x-ray? Should I take this through the metal detector? I don't know what's going on. And he makes reference to James Garner from the Rockford Files, who at the time was a spokesman for Polaroid cameras. And he makes reference to him uh, saying something along the lines of I should have listened to you know, James Garner or whatever. I would have been happy with one of those more simple cameras. 
Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So there's a lot of like it's like the Hawaii Five O reference in the first episode. Yeah. It's it's silly. So overall, this is a silly episode with a silly premise and a silly uh silly execution. Uh unfortunately I also note that Ian Freebaron Smith is still doing the music, which is Yeah, not but you great. couldn't you couldn't really tell because most of the music in the episode was um sort of reorchestrations of Christmas standards or uh like Tchaikovsky mm-hmm. or, or stuff like that, because you know it's Christmas, right? Even though the fact that it's Christmas only really comes up to guilt Higgins into doing stuff because it's Christmas. Mm. So yeah. But soon, soon, soon we move to a new Soon we replace this guy. We, we move to a new music supervisor, and we'll tell you all about him. We're very excited about it, actually. <laughs> it's super cool. In a future episode. But uh, for now, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Magnum Rewatch Podcast. Uh, next episode, No Need to Know. Oh, and if you like this episode, please uh, let us know on Twitter or send us an email. And uh, this uh, this podcast comes out Tuesdays. By the time you're hearing this, it should be on its own feed on iTunes. You can subscribe to just this if you want. It is also, if you're a fan of our work with Loading Ready Run, it, it will show up in the Loading Ready Run aggregate podcasts feed. Um, our ability to do this is uh, thanks to the supporters of our Patreon, patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun, which supports all kinds of different stuff that we do. So please check that out. And yeah, again, Kathleen underscore LRR on Twitter. I'm Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M underscore LRR on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the show. We we would uh, love to hear it. And thank you for listening. I need some kind of Magnum-related sign-off. I know. Does Magnum have a catchphrase? Not really. Uh, What about... uh... I must ask you a question. That's not no. Uh, mustache to see you. No. Uh, m- 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 mustache. No. <laughs>